I want to go through uh, some of those lyrics we just sung, because I know it's very easy for us to be able to sing these songs, and we sing these songs hoping that that's where our heart will go, but you know, when you really uh, take these words to heart, I searched the world, but I couldn't, but it couldn't fill me. You know, I was reminded of Blaise Pascal who had said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man and woman which cannot be satisfied by any created thing. And that's really what that lyric is talking about. But it says, then you came along and put me back together. You know, that's what this series on the gift of generosity is all about. Because I know this world has some very warped views when it comes to money. And I'm so glad God's word addresses it. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Amen. Please be seated. You know, um, this week, uh, you know, a lot happened in the news. You know, one of the things I always like to keep in mind is that be anxious for nothing. We, we don't need to be anxious about anything. But in prayer, with petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And I tell you, I love that we have a God who's over everything, and he's a good God, he's a sovereign God, and you know what lets me sleep at night? He's got everything under control. But one of the things that you might have missed this week is the significance of these numbers, 10, 33, 41, 47, 57, 10. Why are you laughing? I mean, what, 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 what was so significant about those numbers this week? Okay, Powerball winner, $2 billion. Two bucks, get $2 billion. Not endorsing the lottery, okay? But any of you ever wish you won that? Okay, I mean, I love these honest people. Yeah, I mean, because if you won $2 billion, now some of you right now are going, yeah, well, they don't get to take home $2 billion. Yeah, after all is said and done, when they get lump sum, um, probably get $600 million, okay? That's a lot of money. I could think of stuff to do with that kind of money. But you know, God's word, well, actually, this uh, the, the odds of somebody winning and putting those numbers in order are 1 in 229 million. And uh, I, I, I tell you, now, whoever won that, they were longing for nicer, bigger, better. Now they have the opportunity to get nicest, biggest, best. Right? And I think... That is something that is so alluring to us, isn't it? I think there's something about being raised in our society and our culture that really trains kids up from a very young age that it's all about you. It's all about improving, bettering your life, uh, getting those things in your life that really help you uh, feel like you have a sense of security. That, but, you know, there's also some numbers in the Bible that are hugely important. In fact, what I love about God's Word here is that it's filled with numbers. Uh, some of the numbers, you know, are chapters and verses. Those are the kind of numbers I'm talking about. 
where it's like these numbers truly can change your heart. These numbers can truly change you from the inside out. Why? Because we are spiritual beings. Every one of you seated here is a spiritual being. You are having a temporary physical experience here on this earth. But this earth is not all there is. Everything that goes on in this dot, which is life on this earth, impacts our eternity. Would you agree with that? And this is our God. He, he created us as eternal beings. And, and with that, what we talked about last week in week one of our Gift of Generosity series is there's some principles concerning generosity. And that this is not just, oh man, he's talking about money. This is hugely important for us. Because it really, having a right perspective of our money can give us such incredible freedom. I don't know about you, I want to be free. Bondage is not a fun place to be, freedom. And so, again, we talked about last week where Jesus said, hey, basically, you want to impact your heart? Good. Direct your money where you want your heart to go, because your heart will always go after where you spend your money. Would you agree with that? Well, Jesus said it, so I I agree with that. Um, He also says you can't serve God and money. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, And that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that God loves a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver. When it's offering time, we go, yes. Yeah, you're so convincing. Uh, Well, I want you to turn in your Bibles here to 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6 through 10. Last week we were talking about just uh, the whole idea of God desiring his children to see him as daddy. And Malachi last week, it's, it's like the God of the universe kneels down to his creation and says, hey, you know what? I want the best for you. I want the best for you. But the best for you is not robbing me. The best for you is doing what I've designed and called you to do. Um, and so if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you uh, listen to last week's sermon because the, the, the principles are just so important for us to get a good handle on our money. But here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verses 6 to 10, um, it's on page 1180 in the Bible under the seat back in front of you. If you're new with us, you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give that to you as a gift. But here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, um, the Apostle Paul, who planted so many churches throughout the uh, uh, you know, Asia and uh, Rome and all those areas. Um, he had put leadership in charge of numerous churches. And there was a church in Ephesus that was really struggling with some things. They had allowed some false teachers to come in, take the pulpit, and, and really do to their popularity. It says, hey, you're a popular person. Hey, man, you, you must be. I mean, we have to pay $20,000 to get you here. So you must have something really beneficial. So, And they would come and they would uh, really impart and use just enough of the gospel to kind of clothe really their greed. And uh, the Apostle Paul sent Timothy. Timothy was in his 20s or 30s at the time. And he says, you address this false prophet, these false teachers that are clothing and cloaking um, their greed in, in something that can look like the faith, but really is not the faith. And, and uh, so, with that, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6, we're going to go through uh, verses 10. 
But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, Father, we pray that we truly treat your word as it was designed to be treated, as your holy word, as your authoritative word, delivered by a God who loves us and wants the best for us, not to hold out on us, but he wants the best for us. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that we will uh, take this text to heart. And so, Lord, uh, reveal those lies that we've been buying into and give us the courage to be able to uh, do away with those lies. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Please be seated. You know, here is the lie of this world. Are you ready for it? My life will be better when I buy... Yeah, I mean, fill in the blank. I, I tell you, growing up, it's like, okay, can't wait till Christmas because my life will be better when I get that. And then where is that in the month of February? It's pushed off to the side. Because for some reason, everything that I was longing for is not satisfying me. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong, there's certain things that can really satisfy, and, and, and that's okay, but I think when we really start buying into this lie, my life will be better when I buy, then really that is revealing in our hearts something, that there is some discontentment, right? And everything in our society, everything in our culture is wired to help you be discontent where you are so that you will then buy something else, keeping the economy going, of course, and all of those things. But I want to ask you that question. You know, what are those things that your heart continues to be drawn towards that you're sacrificing for? We're going to talk about that because look here at verse 6. I want to put this on the screen for you. There is great gain in godliness with contentment. See, there is great gain in that. You have no idea how great that gain is. It reminds me of Jesus telling the, uh, the parable of the one who knew that there was an incredible treasure buried in a field. And he sold all that he had to get that treasure. Doesn't say how much this one had. He just sold everything because he knew the treasure that was hidden in that field was so much greater. And again, I, I think that's what Paul is wanting to communicate here to his reader. He says, There is great gain in godliness with contentment. We're, we're going to be. Looking at this, because I, I think godliness is kind of put, brushed off to the side as important nowadays. Would you agree? Um, I know even in church world, it's like we like to have enough godliness and at least project enough godliness 
for other people to uh, think well of us. But he says, but godliness is allowing what the debt that Jesus paid on the cross, that debt that he paid was applied to you so that you no longer have to pay that. Isn't it great? But here is the danger of our wealth. I didn't say wealth was a sin. I said the danger of having so much wealth is that it can keep us away from the need of our true soul longing. I mean, the true bondage in our soul is not the stuff that we, we cannot get or we, there, there's not enough money for us to get those particular things. No, the chief problem with mankind is sin. That's the big problem. And I know uh, growing up, in fact, uh, our family loved to take vacations, but, you know, when uh, I was in seminary, we had two kids. We couldn't afford vacation very much, but I tell you, by the grace of God, my parents um, got suckered into all these timeshares. I said suckered because, again, my dad, I love my dad, but, man, if he could get a free TV from going to a presentation, he's going to get that free TV, all right? Um, and trust me, I went to the Lawrence Welk place um, as a teenager. Why? So we could have a free weekend with Lawrence Welk um, imagery. I mean, yes. So three timeshares later, um, my parents uh, would invite Tammy and I and the kids to go with them on incredible vacations. So it was kind of weird not having much money, being in seminary, and said, we went to Puerto Vallarta. Oh, yeah, we went to St. Thomas. Oh, yeah, we went to Hawaii again. I, I mean, it, it was just absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And do you know what was true about each one of those trips? I wasn't thinking about what has my heart. I was just enjoying the time in these great destinations. And then I got to thinking, that's really what the danger of wealth does to us. It numbs us to really what our real need is. See, our real need is godliness because when we have that godliness, that connection with our creator, it gives us the sense of contentment. Would you agree with that? Um, you know, for some of us, it's like, this is new territory. I mean, I'm at church. Some of you might be at church for the first time, and you go, man, here he is talking about money. Well, again, Jesus, a third of Jesus' parables were about money because what <laughs> has your pocketbook has your heart. But here is something that I think we're all so tempted by. Look down at verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. And I do think there is something in the American lifestyle. I love living here in this country, but I think there's something in the fabric of our society that we, we, we desire to be rich. Now, the question is, are you rich? <laughs> As a nation, we are very rich. How many of you have gone without food for such a time that you get hangry? Hungry and angry. Hangry, okay? He's like, oh, man. And usually it's because you missed a meal. And then you think, well, how many parts of the world miss numerous meals? And we gripe and complain because our steak wasn't prepared right. You, you know? 
I mean, it's just like for those who desire to be rich, fall into a temptation. Now, temptation is not a sin. It's what you do with that that can either take you down a joyous road or a not-so-joyous road. He says, into a snare. That word snare in the Greek is pagis, which is a, 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 an animal trap. Okay? So, that's the imagery that he wants to give. He says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, a, a trap, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Do you know this to be true of anyone? The truth of the authority of the Word of God. That people have fallen into temptation, and with the temptation, the temptations that look something like this. The temptation. I, I, okay. Years ago, when I was in college, I remember being at one of these credit card stands to say, here's a free t-shirt, and here's a whole bunch of stuff. You sign up for a credit card, and you, right now, you can have $5,000 available to you. Okay? Do you remember those days? Any of you remember those days? Yeah, and you could get special credit if you get somebody else to sign up also. Those were the days. Now, 2009 changed everything because there was way too much of this stuff given out. And you know, a stat even today is that 20% of college students file for bankruptcy. Okay, why is that? Because of these lures. See, this is a loving God... Who is saying, when it comes to your money, allow God to speak into that. Because remember last week, the imagery was M&M's. A whole bunch of M&M's. You've been resourced heavily by God. But I chose M&M's because money managers. Okay? Um, but it, it, notice, it's a trap. I mean, how do we get suckered into this? We get suckered into this numerous ways. You might have a 55-inch TV up on your wall and go, that's just too small. I mean, the optimum now, I need a 70-inch TV, right? And by the grace of God, it's on sale at Best Buy, <laughs> but not the cheapo one. I'm talking about the... Man, the $700 one, and, and man, I know they're, they're cheaper, but man, this comes with all the sound. This comes with everything. This is, man, I am set. That 55 inch is not good enough. Let's increase it to 70. So then you make that payment. But then as you were purchasing that, you know, they said, well, do you want it installed? And well, yeah, because probably the damage I would do to the wall trying to install it myself. Well, yeah, okay, that's 350 bucks. Okay, great, do that. Hey, do you want the three-year protection plan? Well, absolutely. Okay, we'll do that. And then, okay, taxes? Yes, we'll apply taxes to that. So all of a sudden done, it comes out to $1,300. But it's $1,300 because your life will be better with a 70-inch TV, right? I mean, this is how it works. And then the lure to the younger generation is, wow, look, I don't have to pay for this for 
12 months, I don't have to pay. I mean, this is a deal. I can get the satisfaction of this today, and I don't have to pay till next year. I'm all in. Right? Anyone fall into that trap? See, I, I, I call it a trap because, I mean, look at this. You know, you get this credit card. You've got this trap right here. And let's just, uh, you know, picture this as your hand. And you're reaching for that card. It's like, ouch. But here's the thing. This is, you are in bondage to the one who is lending to you. Would you agree with that? We're, 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 we're going to see the truth of this in Proverbs 22, 7. The borrower is a, the slave of the lender, okay? So you, you are stuck right now. You, you can't get out. And so then what happens, 12 months goes very fast. Would you agree? Any of you been caught off guard with how fast 12 months goes? You didn't have to pay for 12 months. And then all of a sudden, 12 months in one day, what happens? 20% interest was applied beginning from the very start of your purchase. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. wait not, not. Well, why is it more expensive? I thought I owed this. Well, yeah, but you're a day late, so now you owe this. And it's like, you know, I've made all kinds of other purchases. I can't really afford that right now. Um, what's your minimum payment plan? Oh, it's great. 30 bucks a month. 30 bucks. Oh, good. I can do $30 a month. You see how this works? So $30 a month, five years later, that 70-inch TV is now, finally, you're out from under this. Five years later, probably spending a, a whole bunch more money because the temptation to I've got to have it, I've got to have it now. Um, I love that God's word is so honest that he says we all can fall into this temptation but I think for young people, um, <laughs> you, you've got to understand that these are traps. And I think back in Genesis, remember Genesis chapter 3, you have God. You have God saying, hey, you can eat of all of the trees of the garden except this one. And then the tempter comes and says, yep, see, God's holding out on you. God is holding out on you. Just like some of you feel right now because of the sermon talking about debt, you're just like, oh, man, here we go. Yeah, God just doesn't want me to have fun. No, he wants you to be free. He wants you to be free from the bondage of who this latches you onto or what this latches you onto. This is a loving God who uh, really wants you to have the best. And so this is the big idea, really, of, of today, is giving is the only antidote to materialism. It's a pretty strong statement. But I firmly believe this is why the Word of God has so much to say about the need for we to be a generous people. 
Now, I'm here to tell you at Grace Spring, this is a generous place. I am so moved to see the groceries coming in throughout the week. And, and I, I, I think there ended up being almost 240 bundles, something like that. 240 bundles that are going out and all these groceries. And I tell you, it's so great to see the joy of you guys coming in, bringing in those groceries. And again, if you know anybody, I mean, if any of you know anybody that you know, hey, they have a need, and I would sure love to have a bundle meet the need of my friend, then definitely write that down. You know, put it in the offering um, box as you leave today. Um, But we want to know because giving is the only antidote to materialism. We, we've got to practice that. Young people, you know, I talked to pastors who they said, you know, our giving is horrible at our church. Why? Because we're a young congregation. And I said, why does it have to be that way? I mean, we can't be selling out to the young generation and say, hey, you know what? When you're able, then start doing it. I praise God that my parents taught me very, very, very early. Give your first and your best to God. Give your first and your best to God. And they taught me very early that 10% is the foundation, and I can learn to live on 90%. But when you don't do first things first, don't be surprised when you run out. You see, gratitude plus humility, those are the two ingredients, I think, that really help make up our contentment. Now, again, some of you are listening and say, well, are you telling me not to be ambitious? No, we can be ambitious, but the question is, what is driving your ambition? What is driving it? I remember years ago when I was a youth pastor, I was so moved by one of my kids in the youth group who said, my goal in life is to bring the good news of the gospel to Muslim people. And it's like, praise God. And he says, and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to get my uh, degree in petroleum engineering, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to get that degree so that I can go to a country that is a Muslim country and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, is that great ambition? It's incredible ambition, and sure enough, he has done everything that God put on his heart to do. In fact, when he proposed, he was on the knee to the woman he proposed to and said, I have a calling on my life to share the gospel to Muslims. Will you join me in that? Because that is my God-given purpose. And she said, yes. And I go, praise God. But he does this because of gratitude. Because of gratitude. You know, when I think of gratitude kind of places, I think of places like Psalm 63. It says, oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. So it's seeking the giver, not the gifts, right? I seek you. He says, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. Did you get that? I mean, that's treasure stuff. He says, your love is better than life, is better than anything I could pursue and sacrifice to, to obtain. 
He says, my lips will praise you. I tell you, that's a gratitude statement right there. Man, I'm going to be content because, man, this is what you have given me. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. You know, if you ever see us raising our hands during praise and worship, this is why I raise my hands. Because of uh, texts like this, it says, this is why I lift up my hands. My hands go up in praise to you. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Isn't that good? This is the psalmist pouring out his heart and saying, man, this is my heart of gratitude. But then I think of humility, and I think those like the Apostle Paul, who writes to the church in Philippi in Philippians 2, 3, says, do nothing from selfish ambition. What? Do nothing for selfish ambition. Do nothing that is trying to have you acquire so you can make a name for yourself, so you can keep up with the Joneses. Hey, by the way, the Joneses are bankrupt. Nobody can keep up with the Joneses. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Do you think that will bring freedom to you or trap you? I think this will bring freedom. Oh, church. Man, I tell you, it's... The Word of God, there's different terminology for the Word of God. You know, uh, graphe is the revealed word recorded. That's our scriptures that we have. It's the word graphe. Logos is the content of the meaning of those words. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we've got the revealed Word. We've got the Logos of God. But then here, now... How this applies to each one of us is Ramah. Ramah is what do I now apply that? Because the truth is the word of God has been delivered and God is working in each heart in a very different way, convicting in a different way. I know some of you could be a little bit ticked right now because you said last week you opened the series with this is going to be a guilt-free conversation, but why am I riddled with guilt? I don't know this between you and God. We bring this up because God wants the best for his kids. But it, we, we, we can't be so pursuing the American dream that we are missing out on truly the true treasure. Jesus Christ himself. All of our quest for riches, all of our quest for wealth, the question is why are you killing yourself? Trying to keep up with the Joneses. In response, I'm going to invite the praise band out. I know for some, it's like, man, I've already been trapped. I've already been ensnared. They said, Pastor Brian, you have no idea how much of these I have. (laughs) I can't keep up. I'm in such bondage. You know, it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. 
there's a proverb that says, hey, the righteous falls down seven times and gets up. Gets up every time. Maybe you feel like you're down and out. You've been trapped. You've been ensnared. There's an opportunity. There's a way out. And I want to encourage you, get your prayer card. You know, I know we have uh, new prayer cards uh, in the seat in front of you. But if there is something where you said, I could really use some help in this, in this area, could you just be vulnerable? Could you fill that out? Know that our response care ministry does have financial counselors. It's a ministry of this church. And they do have financial counselors that would love to meet with you. But also, if we have enough and we just said, hey, we want to have a class on this, um, just fill out that card. Because we want you to live in freedom. God wants you to live in freedom. And so I want to close in praying a prayer over you. That prayer over you, I, I have this book, Every Moment Holy. And every so often I'll read through different aspects of this. And, uh, and at times I have found it very helpful even to read prayers of others. And this is a prayer. A liturgy before shopping. Alright? Let me pray over this. Pray this over you. Join me in prayer, would you? Listen to these words. Lord God, you created us as embodied beings, O Lord, and placed us within a physical creation, declaring it a good thing. Therefore, it is without shame that we acknowledge our need of food and shelter and clothing, for it is those same needs that teach us ever to look to you for our provision. You created us also as sold creatures, hungry for knowledge and beauty, nurtured by music and story and artistry, informed by the act of creating. You designed us, body and soul, with inbuilt, inbuilt need for work and for rest, for fellowship and for play. And the meeting of each of these diverse needs requires at times the purchase of goods and services. Therefore, before we venture this day to shop, seeking things necessary for the care of body and soul. Center our hearts again in the knowledge of who you are and of who we are in you, that we might engage in our commerce, not as unquestioning consumers, but as conscious curators of your blessings. For ever since the tragedy in Eden, our relationship to things has been upended. Shame insecurity, fear, envy, vanity, and pride now threaten to nudge us from a right posture of grateful stewardship. Constant calls to consume surround and assail us, proclaiming that with one purchase we might be perceived as more successful, more fashionable, more desirable, more cool, until even our right longings for affirmation and love are leveraged against us, skewing our desire so that we mistake wants for needs and are tempted to define ourselves not by our adoption as your sons and daughters, but by the shallowest measures of what we have and wear and drive. Root us rather in you, O Christ, that we would not fall prey to such false witnesses playing upon our fears, to the blur and glare of ads and images 
that fail to account for the existence of the soul or for the deepest needs of creatures created to inhabit eternity. Spare us the heartbreak, O Lord, of trusting in things that cannot hold the weight of our greatest hopes. Spare us the heartbreak, O Lord, of chasing after things that cannot bear the burden of our greatest sorrows. As our hearts will be most fixed on what we most treasure, kindle instead our love for you ere we set foot in stores or shop online. For if we love you best, our spending of money will become a natural expression of our best love and a welcome opportunity to learn and to practice our faithfulness. Give us grace, therefore, to accept with grateful thanks that which we are given. Teach us the difference between appreciation and idolatry, between holy enjoyment and wanton indulgence between thanksgiving for your provision and misuse of the resources with which you have entrusted us. Tune our consciences till they thrum to your resonant tones of your spirit. Teach us contentment. Teach us generosity. Let us delight in giving to others as you have delighted in giving to us. In your most holy and precious name, amen.